Oh, we're rocking uh, in the 9 o'clock hour with the Sandman. Uh, welcome back to the big program. Uh, let's welcome in our Wednesday co-host from 9 to 11, former NHLer David Schlemko, brought to you and powered by Cougar Paint Collision, our family helping your family for over 40 years. You can check out cougarcollision.com. Morning, Schlemmer. Good morning, Kev. How was the week? Week was good. No kept, complaints here. Kept an eye on the Oiler game last night? I did so. And what did you think? I thought well, it was not their best game, but they did what they had to do to win. Um, I really liked the Hamblin Gagne Derek Ryan line. Yeah, I thought they had a great game. Played uh, played in the ozone most of the night mm-hmm. and chipped in with a goal. So thought the PK was excellent again. Uh, super aggressive. I didn't think uh, Chicago even really had a chance to get set up on their two power plays in the third when they had a chance to get back in the game there. So. I don't know. I, I mean, you're. it's kind of like a trap game, I think, you know, playing a Chicago team like that. So understandable. They came out maybe a little bit flat, but uh, good signs that they're finding ways to win and, and getting contributions from some of their depth players as well. And you did mention the PK unit, and several guys have come on this morning and said, you know what, ever since Matias Yanmar came back, now, Connor Brown is playing very well in the PK as well. It just seems that a lot of teams aren't really – there haven't been any, like, real five-bell chances that you that come to mind, you know, that we're – holy cow, these guys are all over them in the offensive zone. Yeah. They're limiting their zone entries, and they're getting the puck hold quite quickly. So they're making the – they're turning the pucks over. They are. So, you know, everything's just going so well on the PK. Yeah, they're doing a really good job of being aggressive. Like I said, I can't even remember a time where you're watching a setup and waiting for Bedard to get that <laughs> shot off because they never even got set up. Um, yeah, it's it's been excellent. I think it's been excellent since Mark Stewart took over. Mm-hmm. You can uh, you can see the structure, and they're all on the same page, and they're all forcing together, and it's uh, they're a confident group right now. You can tell. PK unit 30 of 31 in the last nine games – over 80% now, you know, and again, they're coming from a place where they were so low, you know, you have to go up, but I mean, and the power play is humming along, you know, in this nine game, they were one for two last night. That was a big goal to kind of, it just made Chicago disinterested, really, when you think about it. Said, ah, let's just took the life out of them, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. But, and you mentioned the fourth, uh, the fourth line. That was a huge goal with 117 left in the yeah. second period, all started by Brett Kulak. Yeah. So just touch on that, a defenseman. When you're going in, do you, do you always go, oh, man, am I doing the right thing by strong forecheck behind the goal line? Like, what's a defenseman's thoughts on a play like that? Well, I, I think if you're within a stick length and you can you can get a stop up there, you go, right? And Cooley had a lot of speed, too. He was kind of joining the rush. I thought he kind of got robbed on the assist, too, because – I thought that that pass that went wide kind of went off his skate first, and then he kept going in on the forecheck. I know he didn't actually touch the puck when he hit the guy, but, uh, I mean, whether he touched it or not, he probably deserves an apple there. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, he didn't get an assist on the play, but he was the sole reason for the play happening. Absolutely. And everyone knows that. When you get in the room, everyone goes, you're the guy that started the play. Separated man from puck, right? But again, when you're going in as a defenseman, you're going, all right, if I'm going to spend three, four seconds battling behind the net, 
when do I make that effort and the conscious effort of going, I better get my ass back to where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. Well, usually that's kind of the rule of thumb is you get in and you get out. Right. But, uh, I guess in that situation, the puck's right there. You're in a battle. So he makes the right to the right decision and stays in the battle. Connor McDavid, Connor Bedard, everyone was kind of, you know, they've talked about this. It's just the fact that they played their first game against each other. I don't think anyone was disappointed, especially, I mean, when you saw that Bedard shot. Yeah. Oh, man. Like, this is a guy. I, <laughs> first shift of the game. And I, I'm trying to think who else. I mean, Ovi can make that shot, I guess. You, you maybe even, not anymore. You don't even think to do it, though. Like, Ekholm wasn't even showing stick on puck before he was pulling that puck into his feet to shoot through that triangle you know that's just how smart of a player he is and to be able to do that full speed and (laughs) put it under the bar that's a whole another story that's just that was pretty gross um i I thought he was pretty quiet the rest of the game well i think they said you're not doing this all night toss you know (laughs) and for the most part he was head to head with mcdavid a couple shifts dry sidle but i think it was a situation where where connor mcdavid was saying you know, I, maybe you can do this another night. You had your little goal here. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's, you know, you're not going to do this all night here in Edmonton. We're, you know, we're on a roll. This is going to be our eighth win in a row. So. This is my house. Yeah. Yeah, well, you saw him try to answer. I think it was like the next shift he came and tried to rip one glove right through the D-man's Connor legs. Connor did, there. yeah. And <laughs> yeah. it went right through the D-man's legs. Yeah. The one player, uh, throw me the sheet there again, Schlemmer. And we had uh, Troy Murray on, and... Yesterday, he's the Blackhawks. I don't know if you know Troy. He's from St. Yep, Albert, yep. but been around a long time. Troy Great Murray guy. Arena. Yeah, Troy Murray Arena. So he was talking about Chicago's defense, and I don't know how how much he had a chance to kind of focus on Chicago's defense or if he even if you heard of a lot of these guys because Troy was saying, you know, so Seth Jones was a scratch last night, and even Troy Murray didn't know about it yesterday at 10 o'clock. So that's how close to the game it was uh, as far as the decision went. Okay. Uh, for the Blackhawks' defense, but I, 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 Troy said, keep an eye on Alex Vlasic, and I hadn't heard too much about this guy, but he was great. I thought he might have been the best defenseman on the ice, both teams. He's a really good player. Uh, did not know he was related to Mark Edward Vlasic. <laughs> heard that on uh, the broadcast from Louie or Jack last night. Um, Do you think so- he gets, he's got to be, was he... Uh, mini pickle, or is he like mini pickles? Because that's Mark, Mark Edward Vlasic is his nickname is pickles. pickles. Yeah, so uh, baby, baby, the baby dills, the uh, what do you call those small little, the yeah. tiny little pickles, like gherkin, gherkin. Yeah, I don't Corn, know. Cornishons, Cornishon, out of boy Duke. That's a Duke. That's what he's here for. <laughs> Cornishon. Uh, uh, yeah, but I, I liked Vlasic. Uh, it was a great pass on the Bedard goal. He's a big, lanky guy, plays physical. Um, I also like Kevin Korchinski, uh, Western Leaguer. Yeah. He's also a really good young D-man on uh, Chicago. And I thought we would see him yesterday too, but Troy Murray said that he just have uh, there's been some family problems with uh, – I think an ailment or, or something. Oh, some personal like reasons. Personal. So yeah. not, nothing, not, not play-related for him. So, um, But Chicago, again, they played hard. They, they, I mean, that first period could have been 4-3 for either team. Yeah, definitely. I think they were outshot in the first. They were outshot in the first. The Oilers were outshot in the first period 14-8. to eight. Yeah, it was, you know, it was a bit of a scrambly game. Even in the third period, the Oilers, they turned the puck over at their own blue line three, four times mm-hmm. where you're playing a highly 
skilled team that's probably in the back of your net once or twice so like I said I think they did what they needed to do to get the win but uh overall probably not the way they want to play for 60 moving yeah. forward <laughs> you know I mean again you're looking at a team that comes in you don't recognize half the guys on the roster you know that they're you know Chicago's struggling as a team struggling on the road yeah. they have zero supporting cast for the best young player in the league so again, just get past that first, and uh, as we've heard comments, you know, even from Sam Gagne, get past the first period, go in the room and say, let's tighten up a little bit. And you saw that yep. after uh, in the second and the third period. The third goal, Leon Dreisaitl's own goal, Nikita Zaitsev, as a defenseman, just run us through the play when it happens, what happens, and then kind of going to the bench saying. We were right in this game. It's two one, and now yeah. it's three. Now it's three one. Oh, I don't know how to wrap that up other than it just sucks. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like it's a it's a tough break, especially at that timing with the score. Like you said, uh, there's not much you can do but shake it off, and you know, hopefully the hockey gods hit you back. Maybe you get one that goes in off someone's ass from the point mm-hmm. the next game or something like that. We had a discussion with uh, uh, Darcy uh, Galbra from Irma Minor Hockey. So that's a kind of a neat thing to see two kids from a town of 500 going to the World Junior Selection Camp. Such a cool story. That's so Canada right there. Western Canada. Western Canada. God's country. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Text coming in. uh, Hey, Kevin. Gordon Marks was from Irma as well. They were always a good team when playing them in, in minor hockey. Earl of Erskine says, uh, love Irma, been there for many tournaments, provincials, skill development camps for girls softball, top-notch facilities, just super people, a gem of a community. And then this one from Bob. I love this one. This is just solid. Uh, Thanks, Bob, for this text. Kevin, you have the potential for greatness in this city. But even World Junior, for example, you never seem to do your research. If you want to be great, put in the work. Oh, he's on me. Wow. You, he, he addressed you as sir. <laughs> sir. At the very yeah, end of that. So yeah. at least Bob's uh, giving you the respect that you deserve as a, an esteemed veteran wow. of industry, Kev. 33 years, Duke never put in the work, I guess. <laughs> What'd you miss? I don't know what I, I don't know. I'm trying to think like, is it because they said, did they play Finland? Is that, was it Finland? May, may, maybe that, because yeah, we just don't have yeah. the, uh, the, the exact schedule. I didn't the have the schedule, schedule that starts is, in They do play weeks. Finland. Is it Finland? Okay, so they play <laughs> Finland. Maybe it was because you had to ask, are there any other world junior players that have From ever Irma. come out of Irma? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I really... Which, that was a text. <laughs> Somebody texted Someone, in to ask yeah. that. Sorry for not being prepared, Bob. <laughs> um, but it was a, that was a true story. When and you know Carson Susie, I, I assume a little bit. Uh, he, I don't yeah. know personally, okay. but well, when he cracked the NHL playing, you know, he played in Spruce Grove for the Saints, but he cracked okay. the NHL playing for Minnesota. It was a big deal. Uh, but when you when you hockey DB him, Carson Susie Viking. So I said, you know, on the air when I was working at Global, and there's Vikings, Carson Susie, first NHL game. Holy man. Oh, you I heard hear, it from her. I Irma. heard it. I didn't do my research, Bob. <laughs> Sorry. You tried. Bob is on me. Uh, when we come back, we will have, uh, I guess, our ski report. A little more uh, open time with Schlemmer. I wanted to ask a couple things about the outdoor rink, if 
with Schlemmer where you played in the city because Duke was talking about was it a dugout Duke in front of the farm like outside the farmhouse no it's like a natural slough that would freeze over uh, right in front right in the main yard there okay so natural natural slough Okay, just a second. What's the difference between <laughs> well, a, a du- natural a dugout, like a, a, is, as the name it mean it was dug out to okay. be like a, a water reservoir for for watering cattle or, or livestock. So is this a spring-fed slough, or is it just like it's just a low point where water has collected over time, and so like there's <laughs> so, no, it's not a lake. There's no fish living in there by any stretch. Well, but, some guys um, you don't stock it. You couldn't. Was it not spring-fed? Oh no, oh no. Okay. There's uh, there's so nothing there's, living in there, man. Uh, uh, okay, so you get and three, bugs. four inches of ice, or sorry, three, four feet of ice. Probably, uh, like yeah, at its deepest point, it's probably like maybe six feet. I if you say. fell through, how how deep are you? Like, you oh, know. like yeah, because when we're like, we always just start towards the edge, like when we're scraping off with the skid steer, and we have like okay. fallen through sometimes, just one tire in or something. But it's uh, you know, you get it turned off as quickly as possible, and then uh, back in yes. the four wheel drive to tug it out, and then <laughs> but then it kind of that when that happens, it's unfortunate because then it wrecks the rest of the winter because uh, all the water will spill out, and then you've got the kind of. Uh, gross underneath water spilling out over top of the nice okay. clean ice. Fair. Oh, yeah. So my question to you, the, I might as well get this out of the way. We got time because we have a kind of an open segment. So did you ever, or maybe because it's too dirty and maybe you couldn't get a filter on, did you ever auger a hole through the ice, put a sump pump in and flood? Uh, no, that's not how we would flood it. Uh, Cause it's, it's like, it's literally right in the main yard. So I would back the gator, the ATV up to the oh, barn okay. door fill a uh, like drums of water or whatever in the back of the ATV truck that out and kind of like homemade Zamboni take like a, a couple ta- towels back, yeah. or blanket okay. to a fence post uh, drag that behind and so you tip the the yep. drums over of the hot water they spill out you drag it we didn't do that all the time because it was is a lot and I was usually doing it by myself mm-hmm. so it was a lot of work and kind of hard to to manage but um but we did do it sometimes if we were like having events or something uh maybe on a New Year's Eve or Christmas Eve at the farm but that's cool uh, yeah, they had the water to, to, I had to auger holes and by hand, uh, we did not have one of the, those cool electric oh, augers or anything, uh, just to check thickness of the ice, maybe to see if I could take the, the skid steer out instead of having to shovel mm-hmm. it off by hand. Um, but yeah, the water to spill out the water over that way. Yeah. It would not be, not make for a good flood. How big of a sheet are you working with? Uh, 200 by 85. If you were were to do the whole slew, it would be bigger than like a regulation sized rink, but you just scrape off enough to like, if you got a few buddies over something to play a little, uh, three on three or something back and forth, maybe you convince one guy to throw, uh, the road hockey pads on, you play with a tennis ball or something, Mm but. Oh yeah. Yeah. Better clarify a couple things about this golf courses that I said. (laughs) Okay. I believe now I've been texting with a buddy, the course that I thought was open today is just open for, let's call it friends and relatives. So it's technically not open for the public. <laughs> so what's what's the name you got to drop to book a tea time then, Kev? You can't. Spill, well, that, I'm spill not, that over I, well, the air. Well, I can't say that one right now. But Terra Pines is open still. No, it's sure not. Sure it is. Did you not hear last week, Schlemmer? They uh, had a hole-in-one there. No way. Guy had a hole-in-one. And I asked uh, uh, Mark, I said, "What? how would you explain in, uh, the early December conditions at Terra Pines? Well, you could probably just <laughs> scull it down the fairway oh, and get a hole rolling. in one. It's <laughs> rolling, man. You're rolling. Uh, so Bad Talk sent that in. A friend said that he heard you guys mention a golf course or two that might be open today. Uh, we'll just tell you what they are, Bad Talks. So just the one that we know of, Terra Pines, north of the city, it's been open well, it's been open the whole time. I think a couple of days it's been closed. I played there three weeks ago. Wow. It's exciting. 
great with a con- cart. Great conditions, yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> well, it, but that's the whole thing. You go out and, I mean, to say you're golfing in the middle of December yeah, is a big deal. That is a big deal here. So if you had a chance today, let's just say you had nothing on the go. It's seven. It's going to be plus six today. And you want, just say you want to get nine in at two o'clock, one o'clock. Would you go? I'd go with you because <laughs> of your attitude. Like it's what if we drag so and we drag the Duke along? <laughs> Holy yeah. cow! Would well, that would, be a money match? I was going to ask you, Kev. Like if you were going out today, how much of your uh, your Yeti full of coffee would be Bailey's, and how much would be coffee? <laughs> oh, it would probably be rum. <laughs> yeah. Straight, straight well, rum. Well, I'll figure it out, but yeah. Stay warm. Oh, that's for sure. When we come back, a little more of an open text line plus our ski report that's coming up uh, right after the break. Kevin Carries, David Schlemko on Sports 1440. Stay with us. Woo! All right, welcome back to the big program. Uh, 924 in Edmonton. Kevin Carries, David Schlemko on Sports 1440. Text coming in 218-334-01440 um, from Crow's Nest Oiler. Hey, fellas, four boys from Hillcrest. Alberta went far in hockey. Two of those players made the NHL, same age group. The other two played junior A. One went on to Canada West Hockey. The other coached and managed in junior A. Hillcrest population, 640. That comes from Crow's Nest Oiler. Who are the players? I wish I knew. Hill, <coughs> Crow's Nest Oiler, please let us know who they are. I mean, probably could find out here. Well, maybe Bob could let me, if I if I did my research <laughs> Bob, better. Bob, brilliant. <laughs> if I did my, if I would have only done my research reading a, a text after opening it like two seconds later. Um, Keeping you accountable. Yes, yeah. Um, Imitation Tom says, a farm I grew up had a dugout and a slough. We'd use the dugout for skating, had better shape. We used to sled. Uh, into the slough hole, nasty water. Yeah, it would be bad. Yeah. So where did like where were you playing out on the ODRs as they call them? I was out at the Fraser Community League mm-hmm. outdoor rink. Uh, we had we had the outdoor hockey rink with the boards, and then we had the one rink that was just skating Small besides. One. So it was it was a good setup. Where is where exactly is that? That's in Clairview, okay. the northeast. So how many kids? Like, would it be just jam packed? Lights too? Yeah, lights. Okay. Um, yeah. It would get pretty busy at night. Um, I remember one year, eventually they put up like a fence around it, you mm-hmm. know, so you couldn't go whenever you wanted, like right All after right. school anymore. I think someone eventually cut a hole in the fence so you could <laughs> crawl through and get in there right after school. But um, How often were you there? How many buddies who all went? Everybody went. Yeah. That was back in the day, right? I'm, I'm aging myself a little bit here. As one of those kids that, you know, used to play outside and... <laughs> Go to the rink every day after school. (laughs) (laughs) But again, that's, would you say you were like, I don't know, did you go an hour a day after school, a couple hours till till dark or what? Um, I wasn't like an every day after school till dark kind of kid, but um, yeah, I would go for a couple hours probably. And, you know, if I wasn't at the outdoor rink, I was playing hockey on the street with the neighbors or... Mm-hmm. in the basement with friends. Uh, I was one of those kids that could never sit still. I was always playing some kind of sport. Well, here is a text from Kevlar, and it's really, this is flat-out super, because I know this guy. I've had my picture taken with him. I know him. I, I, I have, and this comes from Kevlar. Shout-out to Ross Smith from Fawcett, Alberta, a.k.a. Barkley Donaldson from Slapshot. Played in the show for a little bit. So I did a two or th- maybe three or four events in um, 
Hinton, Alberta. Nice. It was a challenge in the Rockies with the Oilers alumni. Uh, Dave Semenko, uh, Dave Lumley, Ryan, uh, uh, Jason Strudwick, uh, Chris Joseph came. Nice. Uh, a lot a lot of good guys that came and we had a, it was a game where we played, it was a tournament that was going on there. Yeah. Uh, but they, the parents or the coaches of the kids' teams got to play sort of a, a media slash alumni plus the Hanson brothers came up from Slapshot. So the Hanson brothers would come up and they would bring all, you know, a couple of their buddies. So Dave Killer Carlson came up one time. Um, the captain, uh, Johnny Upton, came up one time. That's awesome. Now, the, one of the best ones of it all, Schlemmer, was uh, Danny Lemieux, who is uh, Yvonne Barrett, that's his real name, he came up and he put the pads on, but he's like 70 years old. <laughs> and some and he was playing on the coach's team. Someone didn't know who he was and he didn't have any, he had pads on, but he didn't have a, the uh, chest protector. Someone zings one off his arm. Oh. 70 years old. <laughs> uh, so he got out of there in a hurry. Yeah, but that's going to leave a mark. Anyway, uh, Ross Smith came up. And we got lots of pictures. I'll show you a picture with Ross a little bit later. So uh, good text there. Duke, you ready to rock and roll? You want me to just intro the intro for you? <laughs> <laughs> All right, time now for the ski report. Here's the Duke of Delburn, Brandon Douglas. This is the Sports 1440 Ski Report. Your ski report for December 13th, brought to you by Snow Valley Ski Club. Start your skiing journey at snowvalley.ca. Bit of a dry spell in the National Park Resorts for the last few days has not helped conditions, but fret not as there is more snow in the forecast. Jasper's Marmot Basin now has the Eagle Ridge chair running and are up to 21 runs open, but still not enough snow to get the new Knob Quad chair operating. At Sunshine Village, they have 60 runs open, including the ski out with all lifts running except Goat's Eye Mountain. Lake Louise has 94 runs, including some of the shoots in the high alpine, and is probably still your best bet for the best conditions in Alberta right now. Northway, 28 runs open, including the North American chair, and the Kiska, 38 runs open and all lifts operating. Castle Mountain, full resort open, but the upper mountain train still quite limited. Moving west into BC, Kicking Horse, Revelstoke, Fernie, and Panorama are all open, but just like the Alberta resorts, operating on limited terrain as they wait for more snow. Capital Region has all its hills operating with terrain park building and expansion now the main focus. Still early season conditions, so staying on the groomed trails is likely your best bet until we get more snow rolling in. That is your Snow Valley Ski Report. You know what they call that, Schlemmer? That's one take Duke. Yeah. One take Duke. Flawless. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I believe I'm just checking out Ross Smith's uh, history. Thanks to Bob for sending that in, Ross Smith's uh, history. I believe from Westlock and played, I don't know if he played in the show, but he played some semi-pro and I believe that's where they would have got, you know, because all those casting, like when that's you were where casting, where they're casting for Slapshot, you know, they were getting guys from all in the, I guess you would call it the East Coast League even back then, maybe different league. I mean, Johnstown, where they filmed the movie. It used what, to be the U-Haul. Okay. The UHL. The IHL. I think it could have been. He was in. Uh, he played in the in WHA. He played for Indianapolis, but he could have been playing okay, for the Columbus back. Owls. Uh, Ross Smith. Uh, that, that I'm going to try to get him on. We'll tr- I, That'd be cool. 
Um, but the movie itself, Slapshot movie, you know, because they call it the Charlestown Chiefs, but it was filmed in Johnstown. Okay. So it wasn't really Charlestown. They just changed the name. Right. Do you know who wrote the movie? I do not. A woman. Really? Yes. A woman wrote the movie Slapshot. I believe her brother was, uh, well, her brother technically was Ogie Oglethorpe in the movie. Oh, really? Yeah. That's in so real awesome. life, you know. Yeah. And it was based off all the stories that came through over the years, and they talked about it. And I've got the screenplay. That's a cool story. Oh. Um, Classic. I'm trying to forget, remember her name now. Um, but. Ah. Uh, you going skiing this winter, Kev? <laughs> I'm just trying to find some of these texts that are coming through. Am I going skiing this winter? Probably not. No? I, you know, I'll I be honest. I want skiing this winter. Um, we were talking about it the last, uh, I guess, couple of weeks when we started the, the Snow Valley Ski Report, but I think the old pins just can't handle the pounding. No? No. Maybe yeah. Bunny Hill stuff. Hard on the knees? Well, hard on everything. <laughs> I mean, I'm not a young man anymore, Schlemmer. Like Duke talks about his missing ACL. I haven't had one for 37 years. <laughs> Longer yeah, than so you, you should be used to it. <laughs> yeah, I I'm, am. I'm still relatively fresh to this, yeah, uh, this you do, game. You do, I'm still, you do get used to Still it. rehabbing. Yeah. That's fair. Not actively per se, but. Are you going to be a candidate for a knee replacement, Duke? Um, I don't know. My it's uh, The bad knee thing seems to run in my family. Um, my dad still farming, uh, he complains about them every day. My mm-hmm. sisters, and I mean, that might be a product of, um, what we like did, uh, growing up playing sports and stuff. Uh, my whole family were back catchers, which is not very easy on the knees, <laughs> curling, yeah. um, <laughs> curling, skiing, uh, which is like my mom wrecked her knees skiing cause she's from Hinton. So that was like her entire youth growing up, uh, heading out to Jasper. So, uh, mm-hmm. knee replacement, I don't know. I think they're like the cartilage in them and everything is fine. It's just the, uh, the ACLs are. Uh, and some of the other ligaments are a little uh, <laughs> little stretched out, how do we have put it that way? I wanted to t- uh, talk about the All-Star Game format, but now i got to tell you the story that you brought this up. So when I was playing fastball back in Saskatchewan like a long time ago, one of the catchers for a team from Lemberg, he was the bat catcher, as you would say, Duke. He, he had a wooden leg. Like the, <laughs> he had a wooden leg. And anyway, there was a big collision at the plate, and... His leg broke. His broke like it kind of snapped, <laughs> and the umpire didn't know he was freaking out. And everyone, ah, he broke his leg. He broke his leg. And the catcher goes, "Don't, don't worry, I got another one in the trunk of my car." <laughs> it's like Chubbs from Happy Gilmore. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, okay, so the uh, skills competition for the All Star Game. Did you hear about it a little bit, Schlemmer? No. I so they're gonna. The winner will get the winner of a twelve player skills competition. For All-Star Weekend, gets a million dollars. Oh, the rich get richer, eh? <laughs> well, I mean, they're not bringing out slugs for this contest. Like, uh, John Scott's not coming back into the All-Star game. I sure hope not. What do you think, Duke? Not saying uh, much. I don't know if this was clarified in the release, because uh, i only seen it in, uh, like, clip format just okay. on Instagram. Like, are these 12 players they select... All, like they're going to be from the pool of all-star players or are they going to maybe bring in some specialist uh, type guys like they have in the past or even just like the shootout like this um breakaway well, challenge or whatever when you what'll happen is there'll be 12 players i believe there'll be eight players that are assigned and probably four players that might get voted in so mm-hmm. either the fans can say we want but these will be players i assume because you're not going to bring them in just for 
You think they're the all stars? Yeah. So you want to have? I mean, we we know who we know who they're going to be already pretty well. There's not going to be anyone off like totally outlandish off the list. Well, you know, you're going to have McDavid. You're going to have Bedard. You're going to have all these guys, right? If I'm picked for the All Star game, but I don't get a chance at that million bucks, I'm probably a little bit salty. <laughs> <laughs> so each player competes in four of the first six events. You get points: fastest skater. Hardest shot, stick handling, one-timer, passing challenge, shooting accuracy, okay? If you go out of that, then the top eight point earners advance to the seventh event, shootout, oh, okay. and then to the eighth event. Point earners will be through an obstacle course. That's the eighth So event. everyone gets a chance at the million. Out of the 12 guys. Oh, just out yeah. of the 12 There'll guys. There'll be 12 all-stars. Oh, then down to yeah, eight. In eight events. Okay. And it's gotcha. USD, USD, man. Well, it's going to make it a lot more serious. <laughs> well, guys are going to be wanting that dough. Make, yeah. I mean, a million bucks, that's a that's a nice little payday. Let's think if you're Connor Bedard, you're doubling your salary for the year. Yeah, exactly. Excluding bonuses. That's uh that'll make it more interesting, I think. Mhm. Uh, when we come back, uh it's time to go our St. Albert Dodge game of the day, and we will feature the Sherwood Park Crusaders uh, contest tonight against uh, Bonneville. That's coming up after the break. Uh, Brennan Menard from the Crusaders, the head coach, will join Kevin Carey's David Schlemko on Sports 1440. Stay with us. Oh, the Duke just trying to put everybody in the Christmas spirit. Who does this rendition, Duke? Hall and Oates. <laughs> the legends. <laughs> really? You don't like Hall and Oates? Oh, I love them. I just didn't know they sang a Christmas song. <laughs> I Kevin, mean, every group I was going to say, one. Kevin, have we not under, like, it's only a couple weeks into the Christmas yeah. season. Have we not already figured out that everybody has at least one Christmas song? Can I request uh, Burl Ives? Burl Ives? Well, that's that's the one for today. We're, we're, okay. we're, we're easing <laughs> ourselves in. One of the one of the best like chins that. in the business, Burl Ives. He's got a chin like no other. We'll put that one on the list for tomorrow. How's that? Sounds fantastic. <laughs> time, time now for the game of the day, brought to you by St. Albert Dodge. Uh, hey, join in on the holiday cheer and help St. Albert Dodge fill their Ram 1500 with toys for the Salvation Army. Stop in, say hi at the north end of St. Albert Trail. Uh, the truck was getting full in there last week when I was in there, so hopefully it gets uh, over the top uh, for kids uh, and all the toys for the uh, Salvation Army. Let's welcome in uh, for our uh, game of the day, uh, Brennan Menard, Sherwood Park Crusaders head coach. Brennan, you're with Kevin Carey. It's David Schlemko, the former NHLer on Sports 1440. Welcome to the show. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Well, thanks for coming on. And are you? Is the team a little short-staffed right now, Brennan, with uh, all the all the players off at the World Junior, Junior A Challenge? Yeah, we've been we've been uh, short-staffed quite a bit this year, to be honest with you. It feels like, uh, and then now with those five guys leaving, uh, we've had some injuries. You know how that is, like the flu bug and bumps and bruises and all that. So we've been short-staffed quite a bit this year, but yeah. So, but it's an opportunity for other guys, as you know. Mm-hmm. Ryan Zaremba, Dominic Payne, Eric Roost, Brock Such, and Diego Johnson. So, uh, I would assume big part of your team. How have the guys that have been given this opportunity uh, excelled and uh, kept the, the Crusaders going right now? They're really good. I mean, the last game, the last two games, I think we scored. I I can't remember. I think we scored seven both games, and some guys had some big some big ones and then 
Mikhail Dock got Rookie of the Week with seven points in three games, and then David, uh, sorry, Hunter Price got, uh, I think, I don't know, eight or eight, eight points maybe in three games. So they just, yeah, they just kind of moved right in. We just got Doc back from injury, so that timing was basically perfect uh, as the guys left. And yeah, that line was really good for us uh, this uh, past week. Uh, Brennan. You guys are uh, having a fairly strong year here, uh, sitting in second place. Now, the fan from the outside looking in, it seems to always be uh, Brooks and Spruce Grove in the final every year. So it seems like you guys have finally kind of gotten over that hump and are that team out of the north. Uh, is that something that you guys have kind of been building over the last few years here? Or what have you guys done that's kind of helped you with that success to move up in the standings? Yeah, so the I was this is, I'm in my first year, but so last year they were I think so two years ago I think they weren't very high up in the standings, and uh, they were you know then there was some uh, movement and some changes in vision and all that, and then so then last year they took a step, and then yeah, like when I kind of got here this year there was some uh, pieces that had been kind of part of the transition that were here before me and then some good additions in the off season from Serge, the GM. And, um, so yeah, it's been, it's been a good build. And then, uh, we're, you know, building, looking, uh, looking at next year already, as you know, recruiting is just happening all the time, but it's been, it's been going well. And obviously, uh, winning helps the recruiting process. So you have to, you have to kind of stay dialed and stay focused because it's, uh, you know, you don't, you know, things things change. And if you get comfortable, then you kind of lose your, uh, you, you could lose it. So we have to stay kind of focused, keep building it for next year and trying to capitalize on the success we're having right now so we can keep it going. Brendan Menard is our guest, uh, Sherwood Park Crusaders head coach on Sports 1440. And our St. Albert Dodge game of the day, which is tonight, as you guys play host to the uh, Bonneville Pontiacs, a uh, record of 17-14-3 for the Pontiacs. You guys come in 26-7-1. Uh, just your thoughts on what you expect tonight uh, between uh, the crew and, and the horsemen. Yeah, their coach is—he's uh, a good coach. Obviously, like, I think you Quebec, uh, Quebec major junior coach. I think he won a uh, Memorial Cup or even two, maybe. Um, so he's—he's he's obviously smart. You watch him, and you know they've kind of been a little bit up and down. But I know from when we've played them, first shift you'll know right away they're coming. They're going to be physical. They'll be fast. Um, so they have kind of a brand that they play and. I, I, it kind of feels like they have not gotten some goaltending lately, so I don't. Sometimes that can, it's tough to win when uh, that's the case. I, that's kind of my feel on it right now. But they're a good team; they're well coached, and uh, yeah, we have to be ready for this one. We'd like to and uh, stay kind of rolling, moving into the break. So with uh, with uh, Rustoff at the World Junior A Challenge, who's been uh, in goal for you here in the last little bit? Yeah, we we. Uh, so we had a goalie earlier in the year who's in cameras now, and then we picked up uh, this kid, Daniel Haru, committed to Vermont, I think. And we got him from uh, the, uh, the NHL or whatever in the USA, and he's, he's done a pretty good job since he uh, since he came in. We like him. He's been uh, obviously roost is 
our starter, and when you have a goalie like that, you know you don't necessarily replace him, but we kind of think he's uh, when Roos moves on at the end of the year. Obviously, he'll be the kind of probably what we project to be our starter for next year. So he's got a good guy to learn from in Rooster, and uh, his habits are continually getting better. And you can see it kind of in his game; he's just getting stronger and stronger. So he's done well uh, in Roos's absence. Uh, Brandon, you coached in the Ontario Hockey League before Sherwood Park, correct? Yeah. Um, so, what? First of all, what brought you back? I guess to Junior A in Alberta, and um, maybe secondly, what's kind of the biggest difference you see in the hockey, or maybe the mindset of the kids between maybe Major Junior and Junior A? Yeah, it's well. I've wanted to be a head coach for a little bit now. It's probably going to take a little bit longer if you stay at that level but I think if that's what you want you need something that you can really point to to say like yeah if you're if you hire Brennan like that's what his teams play like and things like that so you you need you need to have that I think so it's good and there's a philosophy alignment as well uh, and I know the GM obviously so the fit was good and the timing was good and then the biggest difference I mean obviously uh, in the OHL like the best guys are trying to make it to the NHL uh, right away it's just fascinating to watch like a player that's a first round pick that's that basically like you know how they they go in and they're good at like 18 it's just crazy to think and yet they are still kids but One of the things that I've really noticed that I continually say is uh, an NHL player puts puts deception on every single play that they make. And I can't unsee that anymore. It's all I notice. NHL guys, they don't show you the very, I would say most often they don't show you the play they're going to make. So if it's a pass, the guy's wide open. And that's what I try to tell our players here is like, we like that's the obvious play so then everyone can kind of see it and then they make the play and then the goalie makes a big save well what a big save but he knew you're going to make that you kind of looked right at him whereas one of the things when i go back and watch video now or anything like that on the on the ohl guys like the top guys it's the same in the nhl and it's there's a fake shot to pass the goalie is he gets held, and then players will shoot the puck into more empty nets at that level than at this level because of – it just feels to me like they naturally have uh, that deception piece that, you know, goalies have to respect the shot, and then it looks like the shot. All things tell you it's a shot. Boom, backdoor. Or backside of the ice one-timer, things like that. So that's one of the big ones that I've noticed. And then, yeah, like just – I think also, like, just uh, some of the top guys at that level, too, like, they're just so, like, almost worked up competitively and uh, to prove to everyone, but yet they're not really, like, going overboard where they can't think or focus or anything like that. Those are some things that I've kind of noticed this year. So, you know, I think those things are obviously important, so try to just educate the players on it as much as I can, and then you know, sometimes you see some of those things in our game, and mm-hmm. uh, and they help, but sometimes you definitely don't. So, 
Yeah. Brendan Menard, Sherwood Park Crusaders head coach, is our guest on Sports 1440. Brendan, how have you handled, <laughs> you know, the constant uh, with scouts coming in and the kids, you know, they're here to, you know, further themselves both, you know, on and off the ice scholastically and athletically. Uh, so many uh, of the AJHL kids, your program included, are, you know, in line for scholarships to NCAA. If not, they're going to, you know, try their hand here in Canada. But, you know, how do you deal with, you know, the players trying to balance, you know, their future with what they have the task at hand as well yeah like and the ncaa is they're like recruiting around the clock those guys they're they're crazy it's a recruiting league there's there's no draft or anything like that so yeah these guys uh they're working around the clock but the g our gm here he's really good at working like the phone and seems to me like he's always on the phone with like players agents mm-hmm. or schools and things like that. So it does take some of that off of my plate. Um, I think to be a head coach and GM, I think both jobs you could make work around the clock doesn't looks like it would just be extremely difficult. But yeah, for me, like I'm just trying to make them better hockey players and teach them what I think that habits are to help them be successful. Obviously hockey and is a lot like life. There's just so many like crossover lessons that either the game teaches you or life teaches you that apply to both. So I try to I try to help them with that. But yeah, it's um, it's tough because they do have obviously uh, the pressures and their desire to move on and all of that. So I, like for me, I just I'm trying to mm-hmm. I have a bit of a player development sort of background. So. I'm just trying to make them better players as much as I can and teach them what good habits look like. And, um, yeah, and then from there, like, our GM is yeah. working the phone with their agents and things like that. One, one last one for you, um, and it's a text coming in uh, for you, Brendan, from Strathcona. Sam wants to know, uh, can you ask about Connor Ryan and how he's been playing? Yeah, he's uh, so he's in his first year here, and he's uh, he's been kind of in and out of the lineup. So it's been in a bit of an adjustment. He was a really offensive player in uh, in his minor hockey days. So sort of been just learning how to balance uh, the things that you used to get away with uh, at minor hockey mm-hmm. and at this level where um, the reads. Uh, they change a little bit because the opponent isn't giving up as much or even maybe the coach is better um, and their players are more expecting of certain things. And then some of the mistakes you make, uh, they can, they, I guess they can cause more harm to your team. Uh, yeah, so it's just about learning the reads and making the transition. And also uh, with how busy the schedule is, like learning uh, how to be an everyday guy. Hey, Brennan, thanks so much for this. Uh, good luck tonight uh, against Bonneville. Uh, hopefully you get a good crowd and uh, good support continues for the Crusaders. Thanks for this. Thanks for having me on. That's Brennan Menard, Sherwood Park Crusaders head coach and our St. Albert Dodge Game of the Day. Brought to you by St. Albert Dodge. They have 165 Ram 1500s all dressed up and waiting for you with an incredible 20% off MSRP. That is a saving of up to $14,000. When we come back, 
It's are you in or are you out with David Schlemko? Are you fired up for this? There we go. It's there's my, some. My there's favorite some, segment. There's some long questions here. Yeah, a couple I mean, thinkers. It, it's uh, a guy who has to do some research on this. Duke just throws them out. You know, <laughs> I see. I I know that you know Connor, Allie, and Gregor have been doing the five questions for years. I think Gregor. Get, I know he gets them like two three days in advance. Does he? Uh, oh, he gets them lots I, of time. I can say. Uh, verbatim that that is not the case as usually by the time uh, Connor and I wrap up Fantasy Frenzy at 12 o'clock every day Jeez, he then get- uh, camps out on the bar and says man I gotta get five questions made to uh, to fire up because <laughs> usually uh, it's Gregor's uh, co-host uh, Sean Brown um, Terry Ryan, yeah, they they do prefer to have them a little bit in advance. And, and Connor says, like, I'm not trying to like put you guys in a pretzel here. They're normally relatively straightforward questions, but uh, but all the same, I don't think Gregor uh, usually looks at them until he sits down in that exact chair. You're yeah, uh, in right now, Kev, you lie to your friends, I'll lie to mine, but let's not BS <laughs> each other. When we come back, it's are you in or are you out? Before that, here is a Sports 1440 update with the Duke.